This is The Bouquet Toss, a wedding planning podcast brought to you by TheBudgetSavvyBride.com to help you decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Welcome back to The Bouquet Toss. Today, we're talking all about the visual details of your day, covering everything from rentals, decorations, flowers, and beyond. And we just want to note that while Pinterest and Instagram might lead you to believe otherwise, how your wedding looks isn't actually the most important thing in the grand scheme of it all. If you're working with a limited budget and feel stress or worry creep in over everything looking Instagram worthy, take a pause. Remember, all that truly matters at the end of the day is that you married your partner. How everything looks is just the icing on the cake. That being said, if you do have a certain aesthetic in mind that you want to achieve, you'll want to decorate your space in a way that fits your wedding theme. So in this episode, we'll share how to bring your wedding vision to life using decor, flowers, rentals, and other items with savvy alternatives and options along the way to consider. Let's dive in. Great. Let's start off with tips for decorating your wedding the savvy way. We have specifically five things on this list, but let's be real, there's like 800 million throughout (laughs) (laughs) the blog and website. But today we're going to start with these five things that are just simple ways to get you ahead of the savvy train, right? So considering flower alternatives. Yes. As we all know, flowers, fresh flowers can be really expensive. And luckily, there's a lot of different alternatives to consider, whether it's, you know, choosing to like DIY instead of hiring a pro, but also coming up with other alternatives for decorations that aren't flowers at all, like candles or vases or books or picture frames or any other items that you already have in your home that could be, you know, put together to make centerpieces or decorative accents that don't include flowers at all. Yeah, I mean, we've seen all of these examples in real weddings and they look amazing. I think the first thing everybody thinks, like it's a wedding, you have to have flowers, but it's one of those very, very specific to your vision things and your values. If that isn't important to you, then why go through like that? Why spend that extra expense if it's not the thing that you like picture your wedding and you immediately picture the flowers? That said, that might be how you think of your wedding. You might be like, okay, wedding day means the time I splurge on flowers. That's exactly what I picture. And then in that case, you know, looking for getting the floral look is something you're going to want to do, but you could go with faux flowers instead of real flowers and save A, a ton of money, but B, the environment, because it's so much less wasteful. And, you know, there's a ton of different ways we've talked about them probably at length throughout so many episodes of you know the bouquet toss but one being silk flowers another being wood flowers you know craft stores hobby stores they have so many things that can help you get the floral effect that aren't just flowers also if you still want like natural real things going with greenery And like things like baby's breath or filler flowers, those can be a lot less expensive, but still give you that look and then ultimately be better on your budget. Absolutely. We're a big fan of like considering all of the possible alternatives, but you know, right now, especially with 
the effects of the pandemic and shipping costs and inflation and everything else, fresh flowers are more expensive than ever. They've always been a sticker shock for couples, I think, when it comes to their wedding budget and allocating it. But now it's a real big thing. And I like to hearken back, we talked about this on um, one of the episodes like of season one where we were debunking traditions. Flowers were introduced in the mix because brides back in the day were carrying like herbs down the aisle that held like significance for like, like spiritual significance. So it ultimately transformed into having these beautiful like carnations and roses and, you know, these gorgeous things. And now that's what the modern day person connects a wedding to. But if you like are really going back to like the symbolism of where it started, it's not like you need to have flowers to have a legal wedding. Right. (laughs) Or the whole idea of the bouquet being thrown to distract, was it the women from like tearing the bride's dress and all of that? When you really start thinking about like the symbolism of all of it, you're like, do I actually need a bouquet? Like, is this something I need? Or is it just something that I'm doing? Because this is what you're supposed to do at a wedding. It's something I can't help think about when I look at pictures just from, you know, we're covering weddings all the time. You see all these bridal parties typically holding flowers. And it's like, in this modern day and age, do people have a connection to that? Like, does it really make you feel like, okay, this is my wedding because I'm holding a bouquet of flowers? Or is it like, this is my wedding, so I'm holding a bouquet of flowers because that's what everybody else's pictures look like and that's what I think I need to do. Right. Maybe hold on to each other instead of the flowers. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of options. Yeah. So... When it comes to decor specifically, another really good thing to think about is recycling or upcycling. Yes, I love this. I mean, chances are everyone has a good amount of, you know, glass bottles or jars that you're tossing into your trash or hopefully your recycling bin each week. <laughs> um, be responsible, guys, when, when you can. Um, but you can totally upcycle all of these items, even with just a fresh coat of spray paint. It's amazing what I've seen couples do with like metallic gold or rose gold or silver spray paint on a bunch of like jars. Um, And even if you wanted to fill them with like a little bud of flower in in each one, very chic, very minimal, but like beautiful and very Mm -hmm. affordable. Very affordable. And also this is one thing that other brides in your area may have or, you know, that you could easily borrow from them. Everybody kind of thinks about their wedding like they're reinventing the wheel because it just, you want it to feel personal and unique. But specifically with things like this, there's probably some great people around you within your community that have similar, you know, items that you could very easily take and then reuse for the day. Yeah. You utilize the resources available to you you know obviously there's local bride groups on facebook and things like that or check out our marketplace where brides are selling their used wedding items maybe you can utilize those for your wedding and save yourself some money in the process on the thread of reusing things there's also something huge to think about with your decor in that can you get more use out of it after the day of because you're going to use it in your home afterward. I love when couples have the foresight to think about this because if you want your wedding to exude like what you and your fiance are about, you want it to feel personal, likely that's all stuff you would want in your home anyway. Like you would want to create that feeling later on. 
And there's nothing better than to be able to justify the expense of it (laughs) (laughs) because it's not just for one day. It's for forever. Yeah. And then it's like you get to look at it and be like, oh, we use that on our wedding day. Like, that's so nice. Yeah, I'm such a big fan. I'm not, you know, like this is the eco-friendly way, right? Like avoiding single-use items. So thinking about the things that you're purchasing for your wedding in terms of how can we incorporate this into our home or our decor in our newlywed house? Why not? Yeah. Another big thing that often goes along with this is borrowing from friends or family. Specifically when it comes to memento types of things like maybe wine glasses or champagne flutes or a kiddish cup for if you're Jewish or, you know, there's a lot of things that people like to pass down through family and you likely have a family member looking to get rid of the one that they used on their wedding day. Um, Asking around for that is a really great way to avoid having to put up a cost for something that you're like, actually, I don't know that I'm going to need it after or that it will hold sentimental value. I mean, now it will because it came from a family member and it could become the thing that like then you pass on to somebody else after that's getting married and rather than everybody buying a new iteration of it. Absolutely. It's like all those little ornamental kind of like ritualistic items that are really only used for the wedding day itself, like your cake serving set or your toasting flutes or your unity candle for your ceremony, things like that, or a cake stand, you know, things that people you know might already have from their own weddings or just in their cupboard or their china cabinet, especially like the grandparents' um, generations, why not utilize those, borrow them, save yourself some money from buying, you know, just going on Amazon and buying some cheap cake cutting set just because you're supposed to have one, you know? Borrow it, save yourself some money, and add another meaningful family connection to this celebration that you're having. Exactly. And especially if you're borrowing it, then you get to give it back and you don't have it cluttering your space. Amen. You know, (laughs) another cool thing that I really love that it's I feel like it's a trend that is getting even more popular is using like vintage furniture or vintage decor items to create like little seating areas at your wedding venue. And we've seen a lot of couples do this by using like an old couch that maybe their grandparents passed down or a very specific focal piece that their parents might have. It's another way that you're really adding like the uniqueness of you to the day. And, you know, people pay good money to rent chaise lounges and these like ornate vintage chairs to get that look and like don't get me wrong I love that look but that actually is something that somebody you know may already have on hand that you could just borrow instead of renting right yeah it's so true you will pay a pretty penny to rent a lot of that stuff but if you have a family member or a friend who has something and they're willing to let you borrow it for a few hours why not the biggest thing you'll have to consider is transporting it to and from which you know, is a is a favor and a, and an ask of someone, but especially if you're working on a tight budget, never hurts to ask. Yeah. So speaking of, what are the other things when it comes to rentals that you really need to think about? 
Yeah. So in the context of this episode, I think it's important to start with like, you know, when you're prioritizing, like putting like the biggest rocks in your jar in terms of priorities (laughs) before you add in the finer details. And so things like rentals specifically, I would say are the biggest rocks in this scenario. So things like your tables, your chairs, the furniture that is going to be needed to make your reception or ceremony happen, whether, you know, if you're renting a raw space, you might need to bring in chairs for your ceremony or pews or, you know, an arbor or an archway for your altar, depending on what your aesthetic is, columns or an aisle runner, aisle decor, all those things are things to consider. Of course, depending on the venue you choose, your venue might provide a lot of this stuff. But if not, that's where these things come in. Then when it comes to your reception, obviously things like your your chairs, your tables, any buffet or food service tables that are going to be needed, a cake table, you know, as we were chatting about like lounge furniture, if you wanted to create a seating area, potentially a bar or a place to use as a bar for the reception. Then you also need to think through rental items for the actual meal and the tables themselves, right? Like everything from linens, dishes, flatware, silverware, glasses for drinking, napkins, all those things. And then kind of the more ancillary things, like if you wanted chair covers or sashes, lighting is a big one, a dance floor. If you need a tent, that's a big one. So yeah, it really truly depends on the type of venue that you are working with, but these are kind of like the big puzzle pieces of your rentals. Yes, absolutely. And I would encourage everyone to try as much as they can to think outside the box with these because just because you are serving food doesn't mean you need like glass dishes and and glassware you know it it doesn't mean that you have to have that you could end up having like eco-friendly compostable plates and, and utensils and things like that if that is a value to you and your spouse right i feel like definitely trying to like separate what is normal from what is best for you and your wedding is great to think about because if you can avoid renting any of these things, then you might be saving a lot budget-wise. Yeah. I mean, so much of it depends on A, your venue, B, the formality level of your event, and of course, like, you know, allocating your budget depending on what you're working with. Um, But there are luckily, like Siri said, so many options, no matter what your circumstances are, so... And if you're using a venue that is typically used for weddings, they've thought about this. You know, they likely either have rental companies that they work with already, or they have their own structure for the things that they include or that you can pay extra for if you need. Um, I think it's really when you're doing a non-traditional venue that this stuff can get a little dicier. So we do like to include in the book, in the blog, wherever we can, just lists of things to keep in mind that you might forget that you need to rent. So if you are looking for things to keep in mind, we've mentioned a bunch already in this episode, but definitely check out some of the posts on the blog as well. And if you are going to be renting, there's some things you should think about when you're requesting the quote for that rental You want to know things like how early things have to be delivered to the venue on the day of so that they can be set up or broken down. You also need to know, like, are there people around to set these things up? 
or break them down. Is there an additional charge for all of that? Um, Again, if you're using a venue that does weddings all the time, this is likely figured out. But if you are trying to go like that non-traditional route, which we love and we think is super possible, just getting ahead of these things is great to think about. For sure. Also considering like how far away your venue is from the delivery company, like if there's an additional charge, depending on how far of a distance there is. And you'll also want to make sure about any deadlines for the final number of rentals, because obviously you plan for a certain amount, but then based on your RSVPs, your guest count or needs might change. So getting clear on when you need to confirm those numbers with your rental company is super important as well. Ultimately, This is something that you can definitely handle. Like you can DIY the rental situation if it's not something that your venue automatically provides to you. The key is just to like really come at it from the logistics angle of like, okay, it's great if we are getting all of these things, but like who specifically is delivering them at what time? How's it getting set up? The whole nine yards. And you can definitely ask, you know, your venue if you are working with a professional venue with a contact um, and you're not just doing this at home. (laughs) Uh, But even in your venue search, you know, asking for rental, you know, preferred rental companies in the area that are recommended as a starting point to get quotes and things like that. Luckily, there's also a lot of online options for rental items, whether it's decorations, faux flowers, like our friends at Something Borrowed Blooms, or you know, things like your photo booth or uplighting and things like that, uh, you can get through companies like Rent My Wedding or, you know, photo booths through Pixelated. There's so many options that you can get delivered to your venue through online companies as well. So definitely something to keep in mind. And, you know, when you're savvy, it means shopping around and getting all of the options and comparing all the prices and finding the one that works best for your situation. We know that savvy brides are always looking for ways to get a luxurious look for less. And one of the best ways to do that is by renting your wedding flowers from Something Borrowed Blooms. That's right, you can rent your wedding flowers. Something Borrowed Blooms uses high quality silk florals and greenery to create stunning arrangements for your wedding. Everything from boutonnieres to bouquets, centerpieces, and more. The best part, you'll spend over 70% less than using fresh flowers from a traditional florist. Plus, we've got an exclusive offer just for you. Use code SAVVYBLOOMS on any wedding order over $65 and you'll get a free centerpiece rental included in your order. So savvy! Use the link in our show notes to start shopping now and don't forget our savvy code. Save the environment and your wallet by joining the wedding rental revolution and rent your wedding flowers from Something Borrowed Blooms. The next thing we want to focus on in this episode is flowers. I know we've talked about them a good amount just in terms of like, do you need them? Do you go faux? Like, how do you figure out how that fits into your values? Provided that you do, we have some ways that you can save just by keeping these specific things in mind. So let's say you're going with real flowers. What should you think about? Well, one of the most important things is considering what flowers are actually in season during the time of year you're getting married. And we have a nice cheat sheet on the blog. We'll link that in the blog post for this episode. But basically, when a flower is in season, that means it's more readily available to you, to your florist, whatever the case might be. No matter who's arranging it, it's going to be more affordable if it's actually in season and they're not having to import it from 
all the way across the world, right? Another thing important to keep in mind is if you can find flowers that are sourced locally, grown locally, they're going to have less of a shipping or delivery charge involved. So that can be a saver as well. And also there are just some varieties of flowers that are less expensive in general. You know, they almost call them like dupes for um, like a higher end flower. Obviously peonies are one of the holy grails, I think, for wedding flowers for many brides. But you can swap them out and get a similar look with like I think it's like a garden rose that has a similar shape and size to kind of get the same look, but at a little bit lower of a price point. So making swaps like that can give you the same similar look on a lower budget. Another thing is utilizing filler flowers. You know, baby's breath, especially in mass, can look really, really beautiful and chic. Carnations, obviously, are, are a flower you can pick up very easily at the grocery store, but they look really beautiful when they're bunched together. And they come in a variety of colors, which is great for filling out your flower arrangements to make them bigger. So another great option. Obviously, swapping in some greenery is a great option as well. I feel like greenery is super popular these days, not just because it's affordable, but because it looks really beautiful too. Yeah, there's a lot of brides opting for like only greenery, no florals. And you can make some incredible like arrangements with just that. It's a look for sure, but it looks really cool. I love it. And even if you aren't comfortable going full greenery, just like a few, you know, white flowers or something like very, very neutral, it's just a very natural, like lovely, relaxed, like chic vibe. I'm into it. Very mm -hmm. into it. Me too. So buying in bulk or even ordering your flowers online is another great way to save. There are some really fantastic options out there. 50 Flowers is a great um, source for bulk flowers that you can order online. And one of our favorites as well is Bloom Culture Flowers, which actually provides you with guided advice, not only to order the flowers that you need to make all of your wedding floral arrangements come to life, but also gives you tutorials on how to assemble and arrange these things yourself. So if you do feel like this is a DIY that you could take on, you can save significantly and still get that fresh flower look with the help of a expert. So yes, highly recommend. I do think this is one of those things that you have some people who are like, oh my God, absolutely. I would love to do that myself. And then you have other people that are like, oh, wow, this is not something I feel capable of. If you are interested in doing your wedding flowers yourself, we have some key things just to keep in mind little little reminders that will help you pull it off more successfully. So one is mapping out your floral arrangements. They actually call these recipes and think about it like as if you were baking a cake. There's actual like recipes that you need, you need to have a definitive thing if you're going to be creating more than one. So let's say you're making your bridal bouquet, but you want to have bridesmaids bouquets that kind of echo it or kind of a smaller version of it. Actually creating like a flower recipe and mapping out the arrangements is a great way to do it. Another thing to keep in mind is the less flowers, like the less different types of blooms that you use, the easier it will be. The more that you put in there, the harder it is going to be to create that recipe. But 
once you do figure out which combinations of things that you like, figuring out how much you're going to need of each type of flower and then actually comparing prices from floral suppliers is the best way that you'll find the best price. It's like it might seem intuitive that they shouldn't be priced differently based on suppliers, but that is something that can vary. And so getting clear on the exact type of blooms you want and how many you need rather than just getting like a whole bunch of things and sticking them together and hoping they work out is one of our biggest tips. Last but not least, prepping your flowers is such a big part of doing them yourself. They need to be hydrated. They need to be in the right temperature. Believe it or not, leaves can contaminate the water that you leave any flowers in. And like if a leaf falls into the water or if it's in the water because the stem is long enough for it. Our florist friends have said to trim stems at a 45 degree angle, actually underwater when you're trimming them, it avoids air bubbles getting into the flower. Like literally these are like pro tips. Pro tips because your flowers are live things. Like they they really do need to be handled with a level of precision and care. So keep these secrets in mind to do it yourself. Yeah. And if, again, if you need help coming up with this plan, if all of this feels overwhelming to you, I cannot recommend chatting with the experts over at Bloom Culture Flowers enough. They will help you create the recipe and everything. So definitely check them out. Before we close out, I also want us to just jump on a few different other affordable decor ideas that can inspire the DIY inclined out there. One that I love is trash to treasure. We've talked a little bit about this earlier, but there's so many different things that you might not expect to be useful for your wedding that could make really cute decor. Things like wine corks, old books, old sheets or maps, pieces of fabric, even coffee filters. People make flowers out of coffee filters. Like there's some things you might have laying around that really could help you go far. You have some fabric and old sheets. Maybe you make a DIY backdrop for a photo booth. People sometimes use maps um, to create like cute little signage. They mod podge them and put them on different glasses or bottles like there's a lot that you can do just with these like at home things yes especially if you love to get crafty why not so other things that if you're just like kind of using them and you want to get crafty that you should just keep around if you have them are food jars and tin cans paper of any kind cardboard boxes actually bottle caps and of course wine bottles so if you have any of those lying around don't rush to get rid of them just yet Another thing to think about is anything that's free because it's literally outside. (laughs) So things like pine cones make such a beautiful decor option, especially for a winter wedding. And you could collect them potentially based on where you live right outside your door. Even leaves. First of all, leaves as confetti Mm -hmm. is always a good option. It's eco-friendly. It's not wasteful. It looks pretty. You can even get like little hole punchers to make the leaves into the shapes that you want. Um, I also love leaves as like a place card as well. I've seen people take leaves and like write on them with, you know, like gold paint pen. Mm -hmm. And it's just really chic and simple and organic. And if that's the vibe you're going for, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's literally right outside. Even rocks 
or like seashells or things like that, maybe you line your aisle with those. And again, free because they're natural. Free 99. Free 99. (laughs) Tree branches are another one. I've seen some really beautiful centerpieces made with literally twigs that you found in your backyard or whatever and spray paint them. Wow. Spray paint them gold and then put them in a vase, put them on Uh the aisle, you know, like it really is incredible. Like the things that I've seen people do with free and natural materials. Amazing. We want more of that. There's also a bunch of inexpensive supplies that you can find at your craft store that might inspire some of these other options. Things like crepe paper, even rope or twine, yarn, spray paint is key, ribbon, buttons. Like these are things that are not really too expensive to purchase and that you can turn into some really beautiful DIYs. And then of course, looking for any of this stuff and more at thrift stores can really be your best friend. Vases, jars, like things for a candy buffet. There's just so many things that you can find thrifted that with a little creativity go such a long way. Yeah, thrift stores are also great places to find frames. Even if you don't find a mirror, if you find a frame and you can spray paint like the inside, the glass part to use as a sign of some sort. There are so many creative things that you can do And if you're a crafty person, then you probably already know the thrift store is your BFF. That sound means it's time for Wedding Watch, a segment of the Bouquet Toffs where we discuss iconic wedding moments from our favorite TV shows and movies. If you want to hit pause and watch the clip we're talking about today, head to our Wedding Watch playlist on YouTube. The link is in the show notes. This week's Wedding Watch is Mamma Mia! the movie i am obsessed with this musical i don't know about you i know you're like the broadway aficionado what's your take (laughs) on mamma mia well it's funny because there was a moment where every regional theater was doing mamma mia every single audition you would go to was just for mamma mia so it kind of became like an eye roll situation but (laughs) still definitely appreciate love it um and then also like the movie having meryl streep is just the queen yeah too good so good but you know mama mia is literally about a wedding (laughs) yeah so obviously need to discuss that you know of course the big you know i don't feel like there's it's even possible to spoil this for anybody like if you haven't seen it what are you doing with your life (laughs) yeah i don't i don't really know but so it's uh it's one of those things that probably a lot of people are not looking forward to experiencing themselves which is figuring out who their father is on their wedding day (laughs) (laughs) a little dramatized version of it is fun though for everybody to watch I just love the fact that like the whole movie is everything is leading up to the wedding and the I mean like ultimately the lesson right is like the the wedding wasn't the thing that mattered I mean honestly spoiler again but Sophie doesn't even end up getting married right yeah (laughs) I just love yeah like you said it's there's so much drama and twists and things like that but I think we can all agree that like Meryl Streep's character Donna she's like a feminist icon in this movie right (laughs) she was just like living free in Greece having herself a one heck of a summer apparently with three different dudes and which is why Sophie doesn't know who her dad is 
Right. And then ultimately, I think why this movie is such a great one, especially where weddings are concerned, is because you really get to live through the characters, find themselves, understand themselves in preparation for their wedding. Um, We've talked about this a bit on the podcast. Um, The episode we did with Cara Gassabay, I think, is a great one. There really is this change that's going to happen with you. This, like, a wedding marks a change. It's a monumental thing. In Sophie's case, it was like her moment to really figure out, like, who is my dad? And even if it's not something like that for you, I think that all couples kind of go through that feeling of like really getting to know and like coming into their own, and especially as a couple. And then also, the other thing I love is that. They end up like planning this entire thing also in Greece, which gorgeous. Um, They plan an entire wedding and then end up being like, wait, this actually isn't what we're meant to do right now. We don't need to get married right now. We love each other. We want to go travel. Like we, you know, I think Sophie says something like, you didn't want this anyway to Skye, who is her fiance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I just, I like the fact that it's a whole movie about weddings, but it's also like, but maybe a wedding is not what you need at the moment. Yeah, they decided to go find themselves together and travel the world, which is very like adventurous and romantic in its own right. So, but all that planning and money and expense was not lost because her mom, Donna, steps in at the last minute and ends up marrying what we assume is her dad. But do we actually know? We don't actually know which guy is her dad. Yeah, no one knows. But she marries Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) (laughs) And this makes me think of Princess Diaries 2 because (laughs) the same thing happens. (gasps) I only saw the first one. I should have included that in our list of wedding watch just to make you watch it because it's (laughs) the best. No shade to Princess Diaries 1, but Princess Diaries 2 is where it's at. Anyway, um, but a similar thing happens where the initial couple that's meant to get married, like literally she walks down the aisle and then decides not to. But then her, the queen ends up getting married, like remarried. And so they don't waste. And I'm like, yeah, convenient for that to happen in movies. Really don't think that happens in real life. Right. (laughs) But it's great. It's great movie magic, you know? Absolutely. And of course, like the fact that they get married to the ABBA song, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I mean, how, how much more perfect could you be like for a wedding (laughs) so on the savvy scale I feel like it's a little hard because I've got no idea how to measure like what those things in Greece would cost right well I mean I want to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because they live there but they are essentially planning the wedding in their hometown so at least it wasn't a destination wedding and it seems like the wedding itself is happening in like a cave yeah, but a lot of the people coming to it, but that's maybe the, not a lot, but some of them coming to it. But that's not an expense to the couple. No, but it is something you need to think about. It is something to think about, absolutely. Um, but from what I could tell, like the only decor in the ceremony space was some candles in a cave. Yeah. So that seems pretty minimal, pretty sad. Yeah. It's one of those exact examples of one of the tips that you have on the blog, basically letting Mother Nature do the decorating for you. If you're in a location like Greece, (laughs) like on the coast near a body of water, you really probably don't need much decor. You can let nature do it for you. 
This really begs the question, why the heck were they getting married in a cave when they're in Greece? Why weren't they getting married with the beautiful blue ocean in the background? Like, make it make sense. It was just the ceremony that was in there, right? But even still, like, why would you not want that beautiful turquoise water as your ceremony backdrop? Well, they live there. They see it every day. Taking it for granted. I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle that kind of dismissiveness of that beautiful scenery. <laughs> <laughs> well... Either way, the views of Greece that you get to see in this movie are reason enough alone to watch it, honestly. As well as all the ABBA music. (laughs) Correct. Absolutely. (laughs) Iconic. I love it. And that concludes our weekly wedding watch. Want to hear us chat about one of your favorite scenes? DM us on Instagram and let us know what we need to watch and chat about on future episodes. I do think it's important to just touch on the DIY discussion questions because, as we all know, everyone's busy, everyone's lives and priorities and time availability are different. And so if you're working with a limited budget, or really no matter what budget you're working with, I think it's important to ask yourself these questions when it comes to wedding DIY. So first off is, what items do we realistically have the skills to do ourselves? Do we have any furniture, equipment, or other objects that we could use in lieu of maybe rental items that we would have to spend money on? Also, do we have the time to devote to crafting wedding decor projects? Do we feel comfortable tackling something like flowers ourselves? Do you have the adequate storage and refrigeration space and all of those sorts of things are important questions to ask yourself. Do we have the supplies and tools needed to create the projects we want to take on? Or are we going to have to go out and buy a Cricut machine or a laser cutter or, you know, like a, a wood burning etching thing? Like, you know, what tools do we have? Or are we going to have to go out and invest in tools to make these things come to life? Also, do we have any skilled friends or family who could help us with these craft projects? Never know. Utilize that network. Also, would it be better to rent things or buy them or make them ourselves? And really go through the list of all the different aspects of the day and decide which you would buy, rent, or DIY potentially. Also, what can we buy that could be repurposed or resold after the big day? Hint, hint on our marketplace. Resell it after the big day. Things that you DIY also can fall into this category. So if you do have to invest in things to make it come to life, if there's resale value, that's another bonus for, or another pro on the list of actually doing that project. Absolutely. What's really interesting to me is I feel like I never see people reselling their Cricut machines ever. Like I hardly ever see them available used. I think it's because people fall in love with them and use it all the time and forever. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and lastly, you know, what can we borrow from friends and family to incorporate into our decor? So all these are super important to keep in mind. Just a few quick final notes about DIY. Be sure to weigh the cost of all the tools and supplies and decide if you want to actually take that on financially or time investment wise. Also have realistic expectations. Sometimes, uh, The DIY kind of prototypes you'll see online are actually done by professionals, and it might not be the most reasonable to believe that you could pull that off with no experience. So just be careful when you're considering taking on a project. And really just don't bite off more than you can chew, right? You need to give yourself ample time. You might need to do a few trial runs before you get something right. Don't consider it a fail right away. 
But I do think it's important to aim to have a lot of these DIY projects, especially completed at least a few weeks before the wedding day to avoid any last minute stress or frenzy. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I think also it's important to shop savvy, no matter if you're shopping for decor or the supplies you need, take advantage of those Michael's coupons, you know, 50% off, 40% off whenever you can get it. Never step foot in there without one. (laughs) (laughs) Always always shop savvy. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss, a podcast brought to you by The Budget Savvy Bride. We would love for you to join us in our free private community to get support and inspiration from other couples currently planning their weddings too. Consider The Bouquet tossed in your direction so you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay savvy and stay tuned for our next episode. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.